good morning, church. It is good to be here this morning. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Acts. Uh, we only have a few more weeks left in Acts before we start looking towards uh, Christmas and uh, the season around it. We'll be in Acts chapter 21 and 22 today as we uh, jump into God's Word. Um, a few years back, I mean, probably 20 years ago, uh, as a youth pastor, um, we were visiting with the church that God eventually led us to, to serve at. And uh, I don't know that the average church person knows how uh, pastors come in and go, and it is steep, steeped and saturated in prayer. Um, but uh, I'd, I'd given my resume to um, a friend of mine because I knew God was doing some things, and uh, he'd given it to a friend of a friend of a friend, and all that led to a dinner with the search committee one night at um, what, what kind of would look like is uh, just kind of a, a steak restaurant, a little salad bar and that kind of thing because we, we used to try to impress pastors when they come in. Now we take them to like Fuddruckers or Freebird and that kind of thing but we, we laugh about that they took us back into this quiet room just super quiet shut off by itself and so we go in this room and the waitress is is there and and Christy and I are sitting there with you know 10 11 people at the time and as we're sitting there the waitress comes over asks me well you know what I would like to eat or, or whatnot so we have a little conversation I say well listen let me ask you a question do you go to church anywhere around here? Is there a church that you would recommend? And, and you can kind of feel the expectation of the, the team in the room, all of whom are great friends now. And she goes, oh, I don't go to church. Uh, she said, so I couldn't recommend one. I said, you know what, I, I, I understand. And before I could say another word, she said, but I can tell you which one you shouldn't go to. And then she names the church of everybody sitting in that room. Y'all, it was a moment. It was a moment for all of us. I said, well, that, why, wouldn't, why, why wouldn't you recommend that church? She said, because they are always at each other, and it seems like they just have a reputation of not being nice in the community. It's like, wow. So, well, thank you. I'll have the fast salad, please. <laughs> right? Um, and by God's grace, he worked in us and through that, we spent a phenomenal time of ministry uh, in that church with some of the most incredible godly people uh, who are still important in our life. And he did some amazing things. Um, but but I, I want you to know today, as we look at chapter 21 through verse uh, chapter 22, that the world is watching. And the world is watching for our witness, and they're watching to understand what's going on. And discord is a, an interesting picture. As I walked through this incredible act of Scripture, Paul ending his, his uh, missionary journey, going into Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how his time of arrest began. There's so much fruit in here. But when I took, took back... There was one passage that really, or one verse that really kind of encapsulated the whole picture to me. In chapter 22, in verse 30, a, a tribune is over what's going on, and there's so much chaos, there's so much discord happening. Uh, he's arrested Paul, and on, on verse 30, listen what happens. It says, but on the next day, desiring to know the real reason why he was being accused by the Jews, he, the tribune, unbound him, commanded the chief priests and the council to meet, and brought Paul down and set him before him. 
So let me, let me tell you in the midst of this, I want to make this where my paper doesn't fly away. In the midst of this, this tribune who is not a follower of Christ Jesus, he's, he's just this, this guy running the peace of the town. He is saying, there's so much discord among your own people. I just want to know what in the world is really happening. And you've got to think, whether it be in a dining room, in the community, in our church, how, how do we get to the point to where we have lost sight that our witness, the world is watching for Christ, and it comes in? So I was, I was just walking through some, um, some recent studies and stuff that have been going on. Matthew chapter, nine, or chapter 5, verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, that's different than a peacekeeper, but blessed are those who make peace with the gospel. And that should be part of the MO of the church. And any news you flip on, any news feed you flip on right now, peace seems like it's in major absence. And, and this is what this study said. Of all Christians, 85% say that Christians in the church are peacemakers. 85% of believers identify themselves and the church as peacemakers. Now, if you ask people who aren't churchgoers, that number drops by 30%. 54% of those who don't go to church see the church as peacemakers. And, and you see a rapid flip. 15% of Christians say, uh, maybe not. But almost 50% of non-Christians they don't see that. There's, there's a disconnect that comes into place there. Uh, a, a similar study walking through that was, was asking Christians about who they trusted to go with them and walk with them with biblical uh, and, and solid uh, emotional support through times of trial. And I want you to know this was inside people who claimed uh, Christ, people who go to church. Um, the number for, for people who trusted their pastors to go uh, walk with them through emotional times was uh, between 55 and 60%. The average believer who goes to church and claims Christ that says uh, other people who are not the ministers, who are my brothers and sisters in Christ, who I can trust to walk with me through emotional times in ways that esteem Christ and encourage me, that number was 22%. 78% of believers are like, I don't know if I've got that. And, and here was the crazy thing, if I'm remembering right, the older you got, the lower the number was. Almost like we've walked in enough churches to know this is just part of what happens. And, and gossip is more powerful than godliness or or someone's going to give me advice, but I'm not saying it's the right advice that points me to Christ. You know, all these kinds of things. And in that, I saw a picture of what people see. Maybe, maybe that's not what's going on in your life. Maybe by God's grace, that's not what's happening or those wouldn't define you. But, but the question is, what would it look like if you and I as believers took a step back and, and we looked at discord in scripture, in a scene in scripture, and we were to say for a moment, God, we want to experience freedom in you, and we want the world to know that they can have freedom in you as well. What would that look like if we were to live that? Because discord creates a disconnect. I would think that faithfulness bridges gaps. 
And so what I want us to do is, is walk through that in this scene. I want you to, to step back and see what's going on. This tribune has said, I want to know the real reason what's going on. The outside chaos of those who claim Christ isn't adding up in a faith that's meant to give freedom. It doesn't seem like it's leading people to freedom. It really looks like fighting. So I want you to see the scene and the state of things. Chapter 21, verse 34 in your Bible. And we're going to bounce a lot this morning. Chapter 1, verse 34, it says this. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing and some in another as he could not learn the facts because of the uproar. And he ordered him, the tribune ordered Paul to be brought into the barracks. So the state of things is this. Paul has left um, his missionary trip. He's landed back in Jerusalem. An uproar has happened. We'll walk through the details of that. But right now, he is in the barracks. He is in chain. This guy who has been sharing Christ all over um, the, the known world, so to speak, anywhere he could go, this freedom has led him to the barracks for his own safety and maybe for his own discipline. The tribune just doesn't know yet. So this is where Paul is. He is trapped in the barracks. Now go back to 21, verse 21 and 22. Chapter 21, verse 21 and 22. This is about the leaders in Jerusalem. This is James and the elders of the church in Jerusalem. 21 says, And they, the, those who believe in Christ, recent converts, have been told about you and that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or walk according to our own customs. What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come. The leaders now, Paul has come back in from his missionary journey. They, they're excited to hear what God has done. They're talking about what God is doing locally. And they said, but we've got a problem. There are a lot of people who are zealous for multiple things. They're still young in Christ. Maybe they weren't young in Christ, but, but they're zealous for the law and they're believing in Christ and you're not zealous for the law the way they're zealous for the law. And so therefore, when they hear that you're in town, we're in trouble. And in this statement of what shall we do, we find James and the elders, this is overwhelming. So many people are, are coming to know Christ. They're trying to walk through what it's like to disciple, encourage, walk, discipline. And, and they're overwhelmed. They're outnumbered. And then the third group of people is the people who've come to know Christ. Paul would regard them as brothers and fathers. Those who've been converted, those who are Jewish, maybe who haven't. That is a part of this whole scene Paul coming into town, going into the temple. When he goes into the temple, a Jew associates him with bringing someone unclean, a Gentile, into the court where Gentiles were no longer allowed to go past the court of the Gentiles. This is punishable by death if you do that. And so a Jew stirs it up and the whole city becomes in an uproar so much that Paul is rescued out. When he tries to talk to him, they shut him down. And the brothers and the fathers, those who claim Christ specifically, and they're turning against each other. So this is the scene of the church. This church we've been following from the very beginning as we've walked through Acts. 
a missionary living for Christ in barracks. The leaders of the church overwhelmed and this new church completely missing, turning against one another. And here's a non-believer in a tribune saying, this doesn't add up. Who's got an answer? Peter would write in his letter to the church in chapter 3 of 1 Peter, he would say this, he would say, listen, but honor your hearts in your hearts, excuse me, but in your hearts honor Christ. The Lord is holy and always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect so that having a good conscience, having good conscience so that when you're slandered, when those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Church, what God tells us, inspiring Peter to write these words is someone's gonna ask you, what's your reason? What's going on here? And you have a choice. Are you going to be ready to answer them with a response that leads them to hope in Christ or will you try to solve the problem differently? Over and over and over, we'll see Paul answer this question. Do you want to know what's going on here? It's about Jesus. Do you want to know what's happening here? It's about Jesus. He's breaking strongholds. He's putting people out of business. It's about Jesus. God gave me a, a, a place with you. Let me tell you about Jesus. God puts me in front of the high priest. Let me tell you about Jesus. If you want to know what's going on, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. The tribune might want to know more. He might want to know why this infight. He might want a different answer. But Paul says, here's the reality. Are we looking to Jesus? Are we ready to give Jesus as the answer of our faith, the author of our faith? Or are we trying to take control? Or are we trying to figure it out? He doesn't have to get into discord because it's putting Jesus in the back seat. It's putting Jesus as submissive to our will that's gotten them here. And Paul knows the only thing that he is supposed to do is elevate Jesus Christ. And so he's not here to, to get on to James and them. He says, we just have to put Jesus first. And he asked to talk to the people and, and it goes on beyond that. Church, if you look at your life and we allow Christ to examine our life, are we ready not to, to talk about the state of the church all over America or, or the world, but are really ready to say, if, if you'll focus with me on Jesus, if you'll draw near to him, if you'll learn him, know him, live in him, move in him, then, then I'll let you know where healing is. See, that's Paul's answer, but it's not always the answer because we're imperfect. And so what I want you to do is we talk about three groups of people, Paul, James and the elders, and the brothers and fathers, or so to speak, in this passage. I just want you to step back and say, Lord, would you see where I am and give me the ability to follow hard after you? Church, I want you to know the real thing that Christ brings is freedom. And Christ giving freedom is always a point of agitation to anyone else because we like control we like fitting in a box we we like understanding the 
the clogs of how life and faith work. And what Paul shows us is life in Christ is about freedom. He who has set you free, if he sets you free, then you're free. That's it. If Christ has done it, then you're free. And that freedom allows you the freedom to to live and joyfully obey the law. The freedom allows you not to have to to be circumcised. The the freedom in Christ, it's not focused on this, it's focused on him. And so I want you to see what it looks like. First of all, you and I need to see in Paul, you have freedom in Christ to follow. That's where our freedom leads. Look in your Bible at chapter 21, verse 10 through 15. Chapter 21, verse 10 through 15. The Bible says this. This is Paul making his way back to Jerusalem. And while we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down to Judea. And he took, coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet in his hands. Thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him to the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. When Paul answered, then Paul answered, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. Now, when you read that passage and you see Paul, he's got the freedom to follow. I want to dissect it and jump deep into it. And I'll tell you my personal opinion. I think as long as Paul's eye is set on Jesus, if he goes to Jerusalem or if he doesn't, as long as Jesus is his motivation, exalting the Lord is it, I think this turns out well for the glory of God anyway. But God is letting him know, if you go this way, this is what awaits you. And we see God do that over and over through scripture. And Paul says, I have to be free to follow Jesus. His friends are anxious. They're anxious for his health. They're anxious for the road before him. They're anxious for what awaits him. They're they're anxious about losing what's going, all of these things. They're putting Paul first. And Paul asks a probing question. If you're really free, are you free to follow Jesus? Or are you guys following me? Paul says, I'm putting the Lord first. I'm ready to follow where he leads me. Whatever that looks like, however it plays out, that's what I want to do. And if I do anything else, Paul's confessing, if I do anything else, it's going to be putting you first, it's going to be putting me first, and I'm not willing to do that because my life is spent to exalt the name of Jesus Christ. And in that moment, we see something happen. Since Paul couldn't be persuaded, guess who was? The believers around him. And so for the first time, they stop thinking about Paul in this way first, and they say something pretty amazing in chapter 21. The Lord's will be done. You see, church, the freedom to follow God is not about being perfect. It's not about being right. It's not about those things 
It's about being free to put Christ above yourself and your preferences. It's about being free to follow Christ above your desires and your wants. It's about being free in the middle of a tight spot or celebrating on the highest mountain to lift the name of Jesus high. In Christ, Paul said, I've got the freedom to follow him and it doesn't have to make sense to you. Because my clarifying question is, are you willing to follow God? Are you ready to follow where he leads? And the answer is yes. Church, I believe some of the most powerful people in my life that surrounded me thought more about their readiness to follow Christ than anything else. And that persuaded me and it molded me and it changed me. As the world looks in at you, at me, at the church around the world, are they seeing a people free to follow Christ regardless of what's around the bend? There's another freedom that we see. If you turn in your Bible, you can now look in chapter 21, verse 17 through 24. We see James and the elders. Paul is coming into Jerusalem and this is the welcome that's awaited him. 21, 17 through 24. When we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James and all the elders were present. After greeting them, he related one by one the things God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified God. And they said to him, see, you, you see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews who have believed. And they're all zealous for the law. And they've been told about you that you teach all the Jews who are coming, who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or walk according to our customs. What then is being to be done? They'll certainly hear that you have come. Do therefore what we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. Take these men and purify yourselves among them. Pay their expenses so they may shave their heads. Thus all will know that there was nothing in what they have been told about you, but that you yourselves also live in observance of the law. This is one of the most interesting passages of scripture to me because these leaders are where leaders find themselves with their freedom frozen. Have you ever had your freedom frozen? And I'm not talking about by someone else, but, but caught in this place. They're so excited about what Paul has done. They're glorifying God through his testimony. His freedom to follow God has yielded much fruit around the world and people have known salvation and life and are pursuing God. In Jerusalem, thousands of people, thousands have started to believe but they're zealous for the law. You see, the leaders here, James and the elders, they seem frozen. What are we supposed to do? Rumors and habits and customs, they run amok. We, 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 we can't break how we feel. We can't change these things overnight. We, it's one thing to know the Messiah is coming, to know the Messiah has fulfilled the law perfectly. It's one thing to know that we cannot we are not free to, to fulfill the law in and of ourselves. Every Jewish man and woman knew those things, but in this moment, they're frozen. What do we do? See, where Paul says, 
you're breaking my heart. I'm ready to follow God wherever he goes. Leaders do what leaders get trapped into. They try to balance pleasing God and managing men. And they have an idea. This is going to be a problem. Rumors have been flying around about you. Here's the best way to put out a rumor. We're going to let you take some men in and do one good thing in the temple. And then everybody will know you're good, you're legit. Have you ever thought about, have you ever tried that? Have you ever, have you ever had a rumor fly around about you, not know what to do or about someone else? And, and you say, here's what we can do. Show them and through one good deed, through a person that they don't know, that their rumors are wrong. All their history, everything they've heard from their friends, all the influential people in their life, just tell them, show them. And, and your one act from a person they don't know will certainly be more influential than everything that's been swirling around their heads. How's this gonna play out, church? It doesn't. You see, what James and, and the elders are frozen against is they don't want to fall short and by falling, following that, their freedom is frozen because balancing people became their focus. Now, it's easy to go back and look and to say, James and the elders, as people were zealous for the law, you, you, were you willing to take your beatings and your stripes to say, it's not about the law. Look in God's word more. Understand God's word. Live it through Jesus Christ. Are you willing to battle that? When they're hearing these things, they're exaggerations about Paul. Are the leaders going out and saying, what's happening now is not right. What you're doing, you're working yourself up. If, if they would have risked their, their selves on it, it'd be one thing, but we get caught. I just want to balance that. As parents, have you ever found yourself there? caught between balancing a spouse and a child when there's conflict in the home it may just be my home where conflict has ever been where I'm, I'm trying to just balance it out wade through the storm you see our freedom in Christ is not meant to be frozen but it's an easy place to be found because our focus of our freedom is on God's ability to influence the world through me. This is the most tempting place, the most often place I've found myself in when I've stumbled. And I can see the tribune looking on the outside, from the outside looking in and saying, what's causing the discord? And, and I look at James and the elders and I think their freedom has been frozen because they've been guarding their influence for Jesus which sounds really amazing. But they haven't been exalting Jesus through their influence. They've been guarding it. And the world is watching. The brothers, we're gonna bounce quite a bit here. Verse 20, but the Bible tells us again a few things. Chapter 21, verse 20, then we'll read verse 27 through 30. Remember the brothers, it says, and when they heard it, they glorified God. You see, brother, how many thousands are there among the Jews who have believed and they are zealous for the law. So these brothers want Jesus 
and they want to fit under the old covenant that they keep falling. They, they are zealous for both, almost like they are equating tradition and faith in Jesus on the same level. Customs, culture, they're just right there together. They're stacking Jesus in and they're excited about it. Verse 21, it says, and he said to me, this is Paul, excuse me. Paul has given an address, he's been arrested. He's been able to speak. He's been talking to everybody about how salvation and how God changed him, how the knowledge of Jesus Christ has transformed him and how God uses him to help make disciples. He's going through all these things and they're listening quietly in verse 21. And he said to me, go for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Well, up to this point, they had listened to him. And they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth. He should not be allowed to live. When I, when I read that passage, it's in verse, chapter 22, verse 21 and 22. I'm sorry, I gave the wrong reference. When I read that passage, when Paul's in the midst of this, my first thought was, where are the brothers and sisters in Christ? Where were they? Where were they in the temple when Paul was being arrested and beaten? Where were they when Paul is talking about the good news? And this is what, I, what I've decided. Their freedom was either absent or silent. Their freedom was either absent or silent. The, the worst thought is they had forfeited their freedom and they had allowed the reality to be shown that they were more zealous for themselves and their customs and their preferences than they were the things of God. But here are brothers whom this tribune has been watching the gospel infect Jerusalem. He's been watching the freedom of Christ come out. And all these people who are being transformed are absent, silent, or they forfeited their freedom. That would be confusing to me as a tribune, a guy I don't know who came here these leaders I do know who've been doing a great job of making things flow smoothly and these people I do know who have been talking about this transformation, who Christ is and how he makes them whole. See, when our freedom is forfeited, when our freedom is silent, it's not what the enemy makes us do, it's what we do gladly. We may not know it, but where Paul says, my focus to follow is up, James and the elders say, I'm trying to balance our focus and our influence, helping them get up and keeping the peace here. And the brothers at best is what I see in scripture. Their focus is inward. It's not outward. I don't care what the tribune is watching. I don't care what the city sees. I don't care about the difference in my testimony. I don't care about the elders. I don't care about Paul. It, when you say something that I don't like, when my freedom is forfeited, I can convince the whole world until a moment where you attack what I value inwardly the most. And in that moment, my prejudices and my preferences will quiet down anything that threatens my freedom to focus inwardly. Church, as we look through this passage of scripture, 
I could stay in it for days. I, I could walk, walk with you through the little ins and outs, and I don't want to presume something in Scripture that's not there. I don't want, I don't want you to see more than there is. But as I read this story, as I looked at the, the data about the church in America, as I, as I read those statistics about the trust that believers have in other believers to walk with them emotionally in a godly fashion, as I read this passage, I thought it's all about freedom in Jesus. And that's the gospel. If you and I have freedom in Jesus Christ, then we are free to follow him and lift him up as Lord. Have you ever considered that? Have you ever thought about that in this moment? That that's where your freedom lies? God, God may lead you and tell you exactly what job to take. He may lead you and tell you exactly what move to make. But when he doesn't, here's your filter and your test. Is Jesus lifted high? Is Jesus the name you're exalting above your own self? If it is, follow him. Look forward to what God will do when you exalt his name above your own. Maybe you're like James and the elders. Maybe you're living your life trying to balancing influence for Jesus. Thousands of people around you you're aware of and a holy, almighty God you're aware of and you're trying to be the mediator to bring them together. That's not following. That's freezing yourself out of the equation. We have one mediator. We have one high priest. And he intercedes for me and you. We don't intercede for him. If you've been frozen in your following of Jesus today, let the gospel unthaw you so that the truth and the strength and the power of the gospel can be first and primary in your witness. Maybe you're in the crowd. Maybe you're a brother or sister who has followed Christ, but it's amazing when push turns to shove, it seems like there's these moments where we forfeit our freedom and our preferences and prejudices they come out of the shadows and they take that proper space at the top of our thought process of our life. Listen, it's never too late to say, Father God, I submit my past to you. Let your spirit convict me in each moment. Let it follow me in each second. I don't want to be frozen influencing I want to be following and exalting I don't want to be absent I don't want to forfeit my witness I want the world to see what life in Christ provides maybe you're the tribune today who's been looking at the chaos and you didn't understand it. And for some reason, way, shape, or form, God brought you to this place. He, he brought you to this live feed. Whatever it is, he's brought you here because you wanted to get to the bottom of it. 
But let me tell you, the same freedom that was offered to Paul, that was offered to James, that was offered to the brothers, is offered to you. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus makes the call. Follow me. I will do the work. I will make you fishers of men. Church, that's an invitation to discipleship, but it's an invitation to salvation. Will you give up your spot as first? Let me be your Lord. As you follow me at Lord, will you let me work in your life instead of trying to solve every problem and equation along the way? Will you just seek me with all of your heart? Because I will do the making. I will do the transforming. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to fix your life. And I'll give you a purpose. My mission. Follow me. Father God, we love you. The world is watching. And Father, if, I, if I'm honest, I want them to. Lord God, I, I want them to see what your power and what your spirit does in the lives of believers. And it takes the testimony of a Paul. It takes the testimony of James and elders. It takes the testimonies of the brothers and fathers and sisters. It takes the testimonies of those who've been walking in mature ways with you and those who are just starting out. Father God, we want the world to watch. But let us be a people that can say, just follow me because I'm following Christ in freedom. God, don't let us give it up. Don't let us be a people that forfeits it. Don't let us be a people that sit on the sidelines. Lord, if there's anyone in this room who doesn't know you this morning, God, I pray that you would introduce them to your freedom freedom that says I'm ready Lord I want to follow you wherever you lead in Jesus name Amen